You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. We are here to preview the Georgia Tech game. Miami's back in action this week after earning a much-deserved bye week. Strong month, strong start to the season, 4-0. Miami will be hosting Georgia Tech at Hard Rock Stadium eight o'clock kick game will be played on the ACC network but if you're able to make it out go to the game this team deserves your support Uh, I think they are a fun team and they definitely like all teams will feed off that crowd energy so definitely try and get out it's going to be a Miami Knights black uniform game Um, and and it's it's important too to get off to a strong start here in ACC play. So we'll get, we'll get into the game here, Gabby. And, you know, we don't normally talk recruiting necessarily for every preview pod, but it does seem like Miami's making this game kind of a key game in terms of recruiting with lots of big time players set to visit, which is another reason why the fans need to show up because recruits definitely take that into account. The fan turnout and how they're going to be supported if they join a certain program. So, uh, Gabby, tell us, you you have a a list running on InsideTheU.com, and look, uh, we do have a little flash sale going on right now for monthly subscribers, two months for the price of $1 to give us a shot. If you want uh, to get information on that VIP level, uh, again, I think these two months are going to be fun and exciting, and that's a good deal to kind of dip your toe in to the VIP madness on InsideTheU.com. Uh, but Gabby, you got a strong list going right now of expected visitors here for this weekend. Just run through, I don't know, a handful of some of the key names to know to bring up here on the pod of of expected visitors this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a, a a really a really interesting group of visitors. 
Uh, I think you have to start at, uh, at the top, literally the very top, and that's a five-star wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith. Uh, the Ohio State commit, uh, who is considered the number one ranked player in the country, uh, according to the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite. Uh, it's a huge, huge visit. Uh, we talked about him at length, uh, you know, last podcast. Uh, but, you know, Jeremiah Smith being in the stands again, I think for Miami, you got to be looking to air it out, give him something to think about. Uh, Nye Carr is another top 247 wide receiver, another top 60 player on the composite who's going to be at Miami. Things are trending really, really well for the Hurricanes in that recruitment. This is going to be his first time in South Florida. So I think, uh, you know, really, I think there's a huge, huge opportunity for Miami and Nye Carr. He's out of South Georgia, uh, plays at Colquitt County. Uh, I think he just broke the record for most, I think it's most touchdowns, maybe it's most yards in school history. And that's a, that's a good South Georgia football program. Uh, so Nikar is probably, you know, those are really Miami's two top wide receiver targets who are going to be down at the same time. So that's a really big deal. Um, as far as uncommitted players, uh, you know, there's going to be a good group of committed Miami players, Saquon Patterson, Elijah Lofton, Jojo Trader, Chance Robinson. But I, I think, uh, you know, really that 2025 group that's coming has a lot of extremely uh, interesting names who are coming through. Uh, a few of the headliners, Armando Blunt, of course, the five star Miami commit uh, who gave up, gave them a pledge. Uh, you know, really the after coming off of that Texas A&M win, uh, Dallas Wilson is a five-star, uh, composite five-star wide receiver out of the Tampa area. He's committed to Oregon, six foot three, 180 pounds played for that raw, uh, Miami seven on seven organization. Um, so he's a big deal. Uh, then you got a couple more top two, four, seven guys like uh, Kamari Williams, who's a, a top tier wide receiver here locally from Palm Beach County, a top two, four, seven linebacker and Carlton Smith out of Baltimore, St. Francis, which is a really big time program. Uh, he's a he's a guy that uh, Derek Nicholson offered at Louisville at uh, Cincinnati when he made a quick stop there and then uh, again at Miami. So I think him checking out the Hurricanes for the first time uh, is a pretty big deal. And then I would say uh, Nashawn Montgomery is a name who spent a ton of time around Miami. He is going to be back uh, for a game. I think that's a really big deal. And then just want to quickly touch on, and this is so far in advance, but really strong group of wide receivers coming in that 2026 class. So that's the current sophomores. Uh, Calvin Russell out of Miami Northwestern is already a top 50 player in that class. Jabari Brady out of Coconut Creek Monarch is already a top 15 player in that 2026 class. And Ephraim White out of Vero Beach is another, again, top 50 player in that class who's going to be there as well. So uh, plenty of opportunity, plenty of firepower on offense, especially at the wide receiver position uh, is going to be in yeah. the stands. And again, I think that's a, a really, really, uh, you know, again, just an opportunity for the Hurricanes, Shannon Dawson, Kevin Beard, uh, to impress those guys as they continue to look to stack talent and playmakers into that room. Crazy wide receiver talent in the stands. Let's before we move on to the game, I want to circle back on Nikar. Seems to be, you mentioned a lot of positive momentum. This is his first trip to Miami. Uh Steve Wiltfong, the director of recruiting uh for 24-7 sports, um, does a good job with with Scoop on a national level. He logged a Miami crystal ball prediction for Nikar. That lines up with with kind of what we've been hearing behind the scenes too, just in terms of how Miami feels about him. Do you think we will be on commit watch after this weekend, assuming everything goes well? 
Yeah, I think assuming everything goes well, I would definitely I I personally wouldn't be surprised if things moved quickly. And, as you know, as we know, and we've been talking about Nikar for a few weeks already now, like this is a guy Miami kind of circled and, and kind of went all in on. And, uh, you know, it seems like uh, this this is going to be a big visit. I think it's going to be an unofficial visit, not an official visit. Miami will hold on to that one for December. Um, but I it feels like this is kind of like you know, mutual interest. Let's kind of, you know, cross our T's, dot our I's and let's get this thing rolling. Like I, I, I'm personally going to be on commit watch uh, with Nikar. All right. So let's get into the game. And Gabby, I think the, the way to start as we do every preview podcast is injury talk, just our, our basic understanding of maybe where things are at without trying to reveal too much. Um, the temple game, there was two guys who, you know, left the game early with, you know, I don't think anything significant injury-wise, uh, but it is worth bringing them up here on the podcast. Matt Lee, the offensive lineman, the center, uh, all indications I've received is he's good to go. I did see him uh, on the Monday press conference when I was walking up to the building for that. Saw him, and he's moving perfectly fine. You know, no sign of a limp or anything like that. Seemed like he's sustained some sort of leg injury against temple but everything i've heard is he's fine and he certainly looked that way too just walking around henry parish the running back was the other guy that maybe sustained a little little thing uh against temple haven't heard much lately honestly i haven't really checked in on him but initially kind of what i was told was he's going to be good to go just you know running backs a physical position you got to battle through some stuff during a season navigate that so I think it was like a shoulder deal, and um, I guess I kind of expect him to play. Tight end, Elijah Arroyo. I think the best way to frame this, Gabby, is let's see, because I think it's either going to be this week for him to make his 2023 Miami debut or next week. Uh, We'll see how all that comes together on game day again. We'll have updates on the message board, uh, you know, throughout warmups, kind of letting people know what we're seeing. Akeem Mesador, I would kind of classify as doubtful. I don't know. That's my sense on it. Doubtful. Branson Dean, I think questionable to probable. Um, So that's what I would have on the injury front. Would you have anything to add to that? Or have you heard anything different than what I just laid out? Yeah, no, no, uh, I definitely haven't. Um, The only thing maybe I could add, I think the just the general plan was to get Elijah Royo. Uh, going here in ACC play, like as they start ACC play, we'll. Like, I think it's kind of like what you're doing. Like, let's see if they actually go ahead and decide to use him or decide to kind of let him go. It's sounds like he's been practicing uh, again. I just think it just it's just whether they're actually going to move forward with it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Elijah Royal out there, but I, I haven't heard anything concrete um, to this point. And with the rest of them, same. Like I haven't really heard a, a ton. All right, so we'll see you again. We'll have updates. During warmups, when you can really tell if guys are kind of going to be a go or not. Um, as we know, Mario Cristobal doesn't really like putting injury talk out there unless he asks you. And of course, I mean, this, I guess, deserves to be addressed. Um, but it's old news, I guess, by now. But Cam Kitchen's full go. He's going to be out there back from his head-neck deal that he's sustained against Texas a which, of course, is really good uh, for Cam. And also a big deal for the defense as well, because he is arguably the best player on that side of the ball. So let's get into Georgia Tech talk, talk about their offense, talk about their defense. 
Um, just kind of what we've seen from them uh, after watching them take on their first five games of the season. So um, let's talk about their offense. The thing that stands out to me, Gabby, they've hit the portal hard, um, particularly at the skill position spots. They're averaging 32 points per game, which is significantly better than their output last year. Last year, I think they were averaging 17 points per game for the season. So nearly doubled that number. And I test wise, when you watch them, they definitely have some elements that defenses have to respect. Quarterback Haynes King, who is a transfer from Texas A&M, he leads the ACC in, in passing yards and passing touchdowns. He's a totally different player than he was at Texas A&M. And, and I attribute that, Gabby, to this system, this scheme, uh, getting the best out of him. It's kind of more of a spread. It's it's honestly similar. There's a lot of similarities between what Georgia Tech does on offense and what Miami does. It's not uh, a perfect comp, but there's a lot of similarities. It's definitely a different offense than what he was doing under Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Uh, Haynes King was a top 150 recruit coming out of high school. And you definitely see why when you watch him here at Georgia Tech. He's got a strong arm. His accuracy is improved compared to what he was doing at Texas A&M. At times, you know, maybe the ball placement's off at times with him, but that was much more common during his time at Texas A&M. He's definitely improved his accuracy at Georgia Tech. Um, to me, Gabby, he's most dangerous when he kind of gets on the edges, whether it's like designed rollouts. They'll give him some design rollouts fairly often. Or if he's just buying time, kind of scrambling uh, to throw the ball downfield, that's when he's most dangerous because he can also tuck it and run it. He, he's fairly athletic. Um, so that's what I would say about Haynes King. What what stands out to you about their quarterback and, and kind of what he's been doing this year to this point? Yeah, I mean, he's impressive. Uh, you know, he he's definitely a, a, a good quarterback. He, I mean, he's going to be, I think he's one of the better passers. Miami's going to, the Miami's going to see this year. Um, just really just the way that he can kind of deliver it, the way that he can kind of get it to those guys. And, and look, I mean, like, like kind of like what you're saying, like he has guys to throw it to. It's not like, it's just like the Haynes King show. Like some of those guys, uh, Eric Singleton, who's a true freshman making a ton of plays for them. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, uh, has done a good job. Malik Rutherford. So he has guys like he has weapons to kind of use. And, uh, to me, Haynes King just looks like, again, like he's running this offense, uh, effectively and he's, he's productive in that offense. Uh, so, I mean, just everything I've seen from him, like, you know, again, you could see where he can kind of make all the throws. Uh, I think when it comes to like really, really pushing it downfield, I think there's times where maybe he just doesn't get like a ton of just like, you know, I don't know. I feel like he like I agree downfield, like when it's just time to like kind of let it rip, I feel like the ball can kind of die on him a little bit. I don't think he has like that elite, elite arm talent that maybe we kind of saw from a guy like Connor Wegman or like someone that just kind of comparing the situations at Texas A&M. Um, but he's I think he's really smart. He's the son of a of a of a coach. So I think he just understands the game really well. I think he knows where to kind of go with it. Uh, even some of the interceptions watching some of those games back, like there's he threw an interception against Bowling Green that like hit off the receiver's hands and landed in, uh, you know, so like even some of the interceptions I feel like he's thrown haven't really been his fault. Uh, I think he's really good, man. I mean, I think, again, just like within the conference, uh, I, I, I like he's he's a talented passer and uh, I think he's absolutely someone Miami's going to have to count for. And then you kind of mix in the mobility factor 
and he's definitely not a statue. Like he's a guy that that can kind of beat you with his legs and he can kind of extend plays and just kind of tuck it and and run, move the chains, um, you know, just with the ball in his hands. So uh, I, I like Haynes King. I think he's a good player. And yeah, he looks very different than what we saw a year ago uh, when Miami was playing Texas A&M. I think where his arm strength does show is outside he, the numbers. Yeah, he does a good job yeah. of like like even opposite hash. Outside right, you know, the he numbers. does. Whether it's like an out or like a hitch, he he's that might be his best throw. Yeah, honestly. he can get it there for sure. Um, which he wasn't making that throw at Texas A and M with consistency at all. So I would attribute that to just confidence and you know liking what this offense asks of him in general. Um, but yeah, he is he's a good quarterback. He is. I don't think he's as good as Connor Wegman, but he's definitely, I would say, their second best quarterback that Miami's faced. Um, to this point, for sure. To this point. So you touched on their weapons. No doubt, Eric Singleton, the, the true freshman wide receiver, he's their outside receiver. He's not overly big. He's 5'11". I don't know what he's listed at weight-wise. I would guess 180-ish. So he's still kind of got that like freshman body type. But man, is he fast. He gets downfield in a hurry. And he has good body control too. Like honestly, I mean, this is this is way getting. I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to say this, but to me, like, if I'm Georgia Tech, I'm worried that this guy is going to go in the portal and go to like a college football playoff contender. Yeah, like a good school. Yeah, because like mm-hmm. he is, he's kind of a big time talent. I think um, he leads them in deep shot targets. He's got 14 deep shot targets on the year. He's caught seven of them for 239 yards and four touchdowns. So uh, he's caught seven of those passes. Four of them have gone for TDs. Uh, He definitely gets behind defenses in a hurry. And he's one of the better true freshman wide receivers in the country. So he definitely catches your attention as that guy on the outside. And that was something that Georgia Tech has been lacking for a while now. That, That guy on the outside that can really take a top off a defense. I think another guy that, that catches your eye is Malik Rutherford, the Dade County product out of the slot. He has good speed too, uh, good acceleration, about 250 receiving yards on the year. I I believe he's second on the team, one touchdown. So he's a guy that stands out. Dominic Blaylock is a Georgia transfer. So he's talented. I think he was like a, he's definitely a former top 100 recruit. He might've even been top 50. Uh, He's close to being top 50 if he's not. Also too, Chase Lane is a guy that transferred in from Texas A&M with Haynes King. He's a guy that um, popped in the Louisville game, I believe. And I think he's kind of been battling some injuries. Yeah, he's only played in two games this year. So he's been battling some injuries since then. Um, But Brent Key said he is practicing this week and is trending towards being a full go on Saturday, but he kind of stopped short of saying he's going to be a full go. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Christian Leary is a Alabama transfer. He's from the state of Florida as a recruit. He's kind of like a 5'8", thick. Like he's almost built kind of like a running back. But in high school, he had tremendous track speed, which is why right. he went to Alabama. He was like a low 10, like he was a sub 10-5 guy, I believe, in the 100 meters. Uh, he's not maybe the best receiver, 
if that makes sense. But he's a guy that if you get at the ball, like he's kind of like a gadget guy to me. So get him the ball quickly uh, or design jet sweeps for him. That's where he's dangerous. Kind of get him the ball in space. Um, so, yeah, I guess all in all, I think as a receiving core, I'm not going to say this is, of course, the best receiving core Miami's faced to this point. That would be Texas A&M. But Gabby, I, I don't know. I, I think it might be fair to say maybe they're like the fastest receiving core, like in terms of one through four, one through five that Miami has faced to this point. Would you push back on that? No, I mean, it's a good it's a good group. Like, you know, I, I mean, I think just watching these guys play, it's almost like puzzling. And even watching the Bowling Green, because they like got off to a really good start in that Bowling Green game. And it's like the offense was kind of humming and then it just kind of got stagnant. But like you see the personnel and you see that there's pieces like you see why like like this is a team that has talent. They, these guys have tools. These guys have like, again, I, I think they have. Like, I think they have a lot that you kind of like what you're kind of talking about. Like, you have to respect it. Like, these guys can kind of play. And it, it was really interesting. Like, even with Singleton, with Singleton, like, I didn't realize he was a true freshman because, I mean, I was just watching the games before I actually like, dove into the roster. And I found out he was a freshman. I was like, what the heck? This kid's, like, balling. Um, so, right. I mean, that, that I, I really like him. And I just think really across the board, like, you know, they have guys, you know, in that receiving room that can play. And I didn't see a ton of Chase Lane just because I, I watched Wake. I watched the Ole Miss game and I watched the Bowling Green game. And, he exploded uh, in the Louisville game. Like it yeah. was like the Louisville game. Uh, I forget if it was like just a hitch or something, but he might have made one guy miss and then opened it up. And he was pulling away from those Louisville yeah. DBs. So he's got yeah. some juice too. For sure. I mean, you think about guys like the places that these guys played. So I mean, they have Christian Leary who played at Alabama, Dominic Blaylock who played at Georgia. You got a quarterback who's from in Haynes King who signed with Texas A&M, Chase Lane who signed with Texas. Like these guys, like they have talent all over. Mm-hmm. So maybe it didn't work out at these previous stops, but I think you see a lot of the reasons why these guys were originally attracted to like these big schools and these big programs. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's something Miami's going to have to account for. And, you know, obviously things haven't gone particularly well at times for Georgia Tech, but when it's looked good, uh, you know, it, it's it's something you kind of have to like, I don't it's know. It's not there, the I, offense's fault. It's right? definitely I not. Mean, it's definitely not. These guys, I mean, the offense has dudes that, that can play for sure. And all over. Also, too, it's worth bringing up uh, out of the backfield. Jamal yeah, Haynes. Jamal Haynes is, is a good player. A pass catching threat. I even he, like their tight end a little bit. The number two, Leonard. Uh, I thought he was pretty good at times. They have two decent tight ends, I think, in Benson, Seether, Leonard. Um, but yeah, Jamal Haynes, 14 targets. He's caught 12 of them. He averages 10 yards after catch per reception. Now he's catching the ball mostly behind the line of scrimmage, but he's definitely a guy that Haynes King will check the ball down to. And he's Jamal Haynes is kind of like your five, eight running back one eighties kind of thickly built, uh, and he's quick and he will make the first guy miss and then go pick up his yardage. He's a former wide receiver. He's been converted to running back here in this system. And he's also just transitioning to the run game. I think he's I think he's pretty good as a running back too. He's kind of he didn't start the year as their number one running back, but he is now, as the season's progressed, he is clearly their number one running back. 376 yards and two touchdowns uh through these five games. So uh, you know, between rushing and receiving. He is close to 500 yards on the season. Um, So he is definitely a a key piece to what they do. 
and he can make defenders miss. How about their offensive line, Gabby? To me, I don't know, kind of just an average group. Yeah. You know, they, they definitely have their moments, but I don't think I don't think they're like a bad, bad offensive line, but they're I wouldn't call them necessarily a good offensive line. No, I, I still think that that's a that unit is still a work in progress. And Brenton Keys is obviously an offensive line guy, and I think that's something that they'll eventually, you know, get going. But I still like I don't that offensive line. I think is a, I think that's probably the one thing that's keeping this Georgia Tech offense from like really humming. Because again, I think a lot, of, and I'm just talking about like within the scope of like the ACC. Like I think they could be, I think that they'll be they could be an all right ACC team. Uh, you know, maybe middle of the pack type of ACC team if that offensive bowl, line was just a little team. bit Should right. Be the bowl team, yeah. And I just think that offensive line is I I I mean I feel like it struggles at times to it does to protect and even in I think just even as run blockers I think it's it's a it's not the best um so that's where I think Miami has a uh, is going to have a pretty nice advantage over that Georgia Tech team yes and, and it is worth mentioning they start so right now in the ACC there's two offensive linemen that are true freshmen starting at offensive tackle Miami of course has one of them in Francis Maui Noah. The other one is Ethan McKenney, who is a left tackle for Georgia Tech. Uh, he's had his up and down moments, as you would expect, as a true freshman starter at left tackle. Um, he's allowed multiple pressures in in basically every game except the Wake Forest game. So uh, that's going to be maybe someone that Lance Gidry can attack. Attention business owners. Have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Musarino Furdock PLLC. Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a, a, a meticulous assessment of your filing, ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme. Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musarino Furdock, PLLC, at 561-437-0414 or visit MusarinoFurdock.com. That's M-U-C-E-R-I-N-O-F-U-R-D-O-C-K.com. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561 561- Five seven three four six six one, and here's the beauty: when you refer someone to Star, he will donate two hundred and fifty dollars to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So, to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, 
Call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids' selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Let's flip it over to the Georgia Tech defense. Um, They're allowing 30.8 points per game. Their run defense has has been embarrassing, Gabby. And um, they've made a defensive coordinator change this week, going to Kevin Schur, who I think it's fair to say he is a Jeremy Pruitt disciple. He has, I think he coached with them when Pruitt was kind of a high school coach. I think he coached with them at Tennessee. He coached with them, I think, with the New York Giants as well when Pruitt was kind of there too. So there's definitely... Uh, a connection there uh, in terms of if you're going to study someone that maybe Coach Shearer is similar to, it might be Jeremy Pruitt. But I think, I think Gabby, it's fair to raise the question, what can a defensive coordinator really change in one week? To me, it's more just about like having a new voice. Maybe right. a new coach brings more accountability on that side of the ball, which I think is needed when you watch yeah. this Georgia Tech defense play. The tackling is a mess. Horrible. The, ru- the run fits are a mess. Terrible. Yeah. Um, and to me, just when I watch them, Gabby, like if like no, absolutely no one should hire me, but if I was the defensive coordinator for Georgia Tech this week, just watching them, to me, they seem like a defense that needs things simplified for their players. I think you got to take some stuff off the plate for these players. I'd go basic and just kind of let them play fast, maybe build some confidence. They just don't seem to have play. They, they seem to have players that play for whatever reason, a little hesitant. And that's leading to a lack of physicality in the run game. Um, but what do you think? And, and it's an interesting wrinkle going into this game, right? But sure. what do you think just the new DC element means for Georgia Tech? Yeah, I think there's probably just an element of just like, hey, we just need like almost just like clean slate. Like, hey, let's kind of start. Let's just kind of scrub everything that happened here. Obviously, a lot to work on, but let's just kind of take a new mentality going into this. It could be, you know, like what you're saying, simplifying things again, just a new voice in the room. And I think, uh, you know, again, I think just kind of maybe hitting that reset button. Uh, you know, again, I think it, I think it could be interesting because I think if uh, you kind of just say, hey, you know, let's kind of start from let's let's kind of you know let's just kind of try to take this. Uh, you know, a different way, you know, going the rest of the year, forget what happened, what happened, happened. Let's just try to just be better moving forward. And I think you kind of take that, that monkey off their back and you can just, I think every, it maybe can give just maybe even a renewed sense of confidence or just the ability to kind of go out there and do certain things. So I think that's kind of interesting of what that element kind of just brings, even just, I'm talking about like mentally and just like the approach to the game. But yeah, I mean, I still think there's just, there's only so much that you can fix because I think that defense, just like what you're saying, like, 
I mean, what I wrote down is just like, it's I think, broken. The, yeah, it's broken. I mean, just like the run, the run, the run fits. I just, I just don't see that as an issue that could just be kind of fixed overnight. It just seems rooted. Just, these are the just types of players they are. I mean, they just lack physical. Like, I feel like that stuff you can't teach. Cause I think like, and we know that here, I feel like that physicality aspect yeah. is a mindset. You know, you have to just be a physical person. You need to be willing to be physical. And I think we saw a lack of, I mean, again, just watching the games, I think you just see a lack of physicality, um, poor tackling, uh, you know, especially like in the, even in the second level, just like as you kind of even open second fields. Second level is atrocious. It's tackling. terrible. It's the terrible. secondary is bad. Yeah. It's just, I just don't know how much, I, I don't know how much that gets fixed in a week. And I think that's just kind of like, a that's a that's a long-term fix. And maybe you can draw it up schematically to, again, where you maybe make it easier, simplify things. But at the end of the day, these th- these guys got to play football. And I think Miami's kind of proving to be a physical team. And uh, I, I'm just curious how they're going to kind of match up with that or how they can kind of meet that. Uh, you know, just considering like that mentality that I think is finally kind of rooted in this Miami offense, especially up front with that offensive line and and that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Georgia Tech's going to do differently on Saturday. That's kind of going to fix those issues, but we'll see. I think if you watch their defense, the strength of their defense is up front. I'm not going to say like it's a nasty D line or anything like that, but I do think it's the best level of their defense. And really what stands out about them is they do have guys that look the part up front. So you go, so Kyle Kennard is kind of their their top defensive lineman. He's an edge guy. He goes 6'5", 240, gets decent pressure. Makia Scott, 6'4", 291, D lineman that can play inside or out. Zeke Biggers is a 6'6", 333 defensive tackle that catches your attention with his size and length. Kevin Harris, 6'4", 245, transfer in from Alabama. He was down to Alabama and Miami as a recruit. Uh, Miami thought they were going to get him, and then Bama did some Bama things and got him in the 11th hour. Um, But when you look at this Georgia Tech defensive line, I think that's the strength of this defense. But to me, again, like, I do think at times maybe their run fits are are bad, particularly if they're playing RPOs or uh, read option type of situations. Like they do allow quite a bit of quarterback runs. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think when you look at them as a group, they are not a group that is like overly twitchy or, you know, going to necessarily get after you with pass rush moves. They are a defensive line that is more about compressing and squeezing the pocket and letting it, letting that, that type of pass rush affect the quarterback. Um, Linebackers, we've talked about struggle with run fits, safeties and corners, abysmal tackling at times. And I do feel like, you know, we're talking a lot about the run defense, I honestly feel like the pass defense is marginally better. It is better, but it's marginally better. And it might just be marginally better because teams are having so much success running the ball against them. That's all they need to do. But I think if teams really wanted to throw the ball around against Georgia Tech, I don't know if there'd be much resistance in that regard either. Like To me, their coverage is is pretty loose. Corners kind of get called for a lot of penalties yep, if you definitely. go at them. Um, so overall, again, it's just, 
it's to me, it's a situation where you got what you got in terms of your personnel. And there's definitely things that could be cleaned up that, that they can improve upon. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just a broken defense, unfortunately. And their, their mindset, their mentality, their identity this year as a team is they got to just go outscore people. So I don't know anything else to add on their defense. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, I, I'm a big Kyle Kennard fan. Like, I think he's, I think he's a really good, good. player. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like again, it's, it's, it's maybe not the right thing to say, but like, kind of comes to mind to you. Like, there's, I feel like he's someone that could absolutely like be on some, uh, like, on a better program's roster, like next year. Like, I could see people kind of fishing for him because again, I think he's a talented. I think he's a talented edge rusher. Um, you know, I think he, he creates, is. he creates a lot of problems. I, I, I think he's just honestly solid. Um, you know, I think just those ends to me kind of stand out, uh, the Kevin Harris, um, uh, and Kyle Kennard. I think to me, those are probably the two best players on that defense. And I think, uh, again, I think, th- I think that if you're going to run into some problems, uh, with that Georgia tech defense, I think it's going to come from those two guys. Cause again, I think Kyle Kennard, uh, you know, he, I think he lines up on both sides. Like, um, very curious about that, like how he kind of lines up with Francis Mauanoa and and how that matchup goes, which I guess we'll talk about later. Um, but I think Kyle Kennard is a really good player, and you know potentially like you know one of the more underrated pass rushers in the conference. Just having watched him play a little bit. So special teams, um, they have they through the course of these first five games for Georgia Tech, they've had some uncertainty with kicker and punter, whether it's performance based stuff or injury stuff. So I think the kicker situation, they've gone with two kickers. That's more like performance-based. Whereas at Ponner, they've kind of had to deal with an injury here and there. I don't think it's anything serious, but they've had to play with a couple punters because of injuries. So that's something to keep an eye on there with their specialists. In terms of return game, again, they have fast, talented wide receivers that they put back there. Blaylock is doing a good job on punt returns, averaging about 11 yards per return there. And then Christian Leary uh, is their kick return guy. So they do have some guys in the return game that are fairly dangerous uh, that you can't necessarily give a crease to. So um, I don't know anything to add there on special teams, Gabby. Uh, no, I mean, I, I guess just, feel, I mean, field goal wise talking about the kicker. I know that they've had some, they've had some issues there. They moved to that new kid, uh, Aiden Burr and, He's been perfect inside 40 yards. I think he just had that one blocked against uh, Ole Miss, but um, just special teams wise on that, from that aspect, I mean, it seems like they kind of figured that whole situation out after the starter went 0 for 3 to start the season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Christian Leary's, uh, you know, obviously we talked about his speed and all those things. Dominic Blaylock, again, I think is just a veteran, uh, you know, guy who can, you know, I think he's going to be reliable as a punt returner, but I think, you know, Leary specifically, uh, you know, someone who you kind of have to be aware of because he does have that burner speed. Kind of a similar-ish player to Bashard Smith in some ways, right? Yeah, Just fair, yeah. Strong-bodied, fast guy. For sure. Um, Bashard's probably a better receiver, honestly. I would say so. Similar-ish type Profiles. of player. Yes. All right, so let's take a break here. And uh, on the other side, we will discuss this game from the Miami point of view.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's start with just things we want to see from Miami in this game. The floor is yours. Oh, you are muted. That's my fault. Um, I think just three things that, you know, just kind of how we always go through this thing. The first thing I wrote down is just kind of test that run defense early. Obviously, I think we know what's going to kind of come from that. But just with a new voice in the room, with the new – uh with this whole news, whatever it is that they're doing on defense, I think you kind of still want to establish that run. And again, and we've talked about this before, and I said this, you know, before the Temple game and all those things, but I still think that that's where Miami wants to be strongest. And again, look, uh, I think Miami's going to air it out. I think they're still going to do a lot of those things. Uh, but I think first and foremost, you kind of want to just get that run defense, um, you know, I mean, that, that, that rushing offense kind of rolling early, and I think that's going to open everything up. Uh, another thing I want to see, ex- explosive passing touchdown. And again, just me, from a recruiting perspective, just knowing all those wide receivers are going to be in attendance. Yeah. I think you want to see again, Miami could probably run the ball all day and probably not really have to do much with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, but I think you kind of still want to see that. I, I still want to see Miami really take some shots downfield. I kind of want to still see that element of the game just continue to grow. Um, no whether doubt. that be a Tyler, whether that be even a Tyler Harrell who we haven't really seen yet, or if it's Jacob, a guy like Jacoby George or a bigger guy like Colby Young, like I want to see, Someone have, uh, you know, a big, long, explosive touchdown. We saw Ole Miss, um, you know, just kind of watching back at that game. They didn't really do a ton of it. Again, I don't think they really had to. But in the back half, like at the end of the game, in that fourth quarter, when it was kind of close, at one point, that was like a seven-point game, uh, that Ole Miss and, and Georgia Tech in, in Oxford. And then Jackson Dart just really aired it out. I think he hit like a 64-yarder, and I think he had another like 50-something yarder in that fourth quarter to kind of break it open. Um, but I think Miami needs to kind of just continue to use like to to really push the ball downfield. I think they will. And then offensively, you know, I mean, defensively, uh, I think it's really just kind of making Haynes King as uncomfortable as possible. I think a big part of it, uh, you know, obviously Miami, I don't think the sack numbers have particularly been there. So I think, you know, for me, I just want to really see them finish on Haynes finish. King when they kind of get to him. And it's going to be tough because he's right. He's and he's slippery. Like he's he's mobile yeah. again. He can move around like I think it's going to be really important for Miami 
to kind of rattle him up by getting to him and getting him on the ground. Uh, let's see if they can do it. Let's see if that's an element that kind of takes that next step. Because again, I think we both want to see that pass rush kind of really come along. And again, I think they've gotten close and you could make the argument that Ruben Bain's been held a ton, which I think is fair. Um, yeah, but I has. think we, I think we got to get, I think they got to get to Haynes King. Um, I, I think they should have an advantage on the line of scrimmage defensively. And, uh, I just, when they, when they do get to him, I think it's about getting him on the ground. So hopefully they're able to do that. Yeah. His, so Haynes King's, his pressure to sack rate, uh, is low and it's in that range of like Jordan Travis. And we all know like Jordan Travis, very athletic, very elusive, can avoid sacks. Haynes King's not quite at that level, but he's like two percentage points off. So he is tough to get on the ground. If you can get him on the ground, that's a huge win, of course. Uh, so yeah, just mine's more just kind of, well, I'll start with kind of some big picture talk type of stuff. Cause you laid out some good uh, game keys here Gabby. But for me, it's just kind of like the bye week stuff slash, you know, weathering the first half of Georgia Tech. So with bye week, um, you know, the last, what, five-ish years? So back to 2018, I went and looked. You know, we all know kind of Miami struggled to handle business coming out of bye weeks, which is counterintuitive because you should be better coming out of a bye week if you are a serious football program. So last year, right, we all remember... North Carolina, uh, 27-24 loss to the Tar Heels in a competitive game, uh, but it was a slow start for Miami. We all remember how North Carolina bombed them up early, uh, you know, with I think Cam Kitchens kind of freelancing a little bit at safety, and North Carolina bombed them up maybe twice, um, and, and those explosive touchdowns were definitely – a big deal in that game. And Tyler Van Dyke did his thing. I think he threw for what, 450-ish? I mean, he threw for a ridiculous amount of yards in that game. Uh, but Miami fell short previous year. Miami also played North Carolina coming out of the bye. They fell in that game. Uh, another competitive game, 45-42 up in Chapel Hill. Then the COVID year, which was weird, like it's hard to know like what was a bye week, what wasn't because games got canceled. And so that kind of created bye weeks, right? But um, Miami lost to Clemson. uh, And I think it was a scheduled bye, if I have that correct. They lost that game at Clemson in the COVID year. And then they won at NC State coming off a bye week. I think that was another scheduled bye. Then they had other like bye weeks because... They had to cancel games, et cetera, et cetera. But those two games, I think, were the scheduled bye weeks in the 2020 season. Then in 2019, another loss to North Carolina after a scheduled bye week because they played Florida in week zero, had a bye week, and then lost to North Carolina. They also lost to Virginia Tech after a bye week and then lost to the alma mater, Gabby, FIU after a bye week so gross 2018 lost to boston college coming off a bye week so all this is to say right you got to be better coming off a bye miami's taken way too many l's coming off buys lately and uh, again this is what like real football programs get better off bye weeks real football programs get better as the season progresses that needs to be the case against a team like georgia tech um 
then again, uh, weathering the storm of Georgia Tech in the first half. So yeah. for the most part, Georgia Tech's done a good job of of starting relatively fast yeah. in their mm-hmm. games this season. So against Louisville in their season opener, they jumped on them 28-13 at halftime. Uh, Georgia Tech ended up losing that game, but they did jump on them early. Of course, they jumped on South Carolina State, the FCS opponent, 28-6 to at halftime. Um, Ole Miss was the only team really that kind of jumped on Georgia Tech. They were up 10-0 in the first quarter. Uh, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech jumped on them 20-3 to at halftime over Wake Forest. And then Bowling Green, as you said, Gabby, they jumped on them 14 to nothing. Uh, now, Bowling Green kind of fought back and made it a game even at halftime. But Georgia Tech jumped on them early and kind of just lost control of the game. Um, so I think it's important, right? There might be some adversity early on uh, because Georgia Tech does bring some elements of, again, they're they're fast on offense, and that can take some adjusting to during the course of a game. And so that might happen on Saturday night. You just got to weather that fo- that storm and, and, you know, with the understanding that these are long games, a lot happens in these games. Even if you lose the first quarter, there's a long, long, long way to go. Um, the other kind of big picture element, kind of similar, just handling the bye week. But to me, Gabby, like we're in the we're in the portion of the season now where you're in ACC play, right? And I think it's fair to say, through this first month of the season, Miami is a team that looks real. Now you can question the level of opponent outside of Texas A&M, who. Honestly, is trending up. We'll see how they handle Alabama this week, but that that is looking like a pretty decent win to this point. Um, Miami of Ohio, of course, has beat Cincinnati. That's looking like a decent win for what it was too. Um, but again, Miami's looked like a real team with their performances and the way they've handled the level of opponent they have faced to this point. But now that we're in conference play, you know, I I do think it's important for Miami to keep building during the course of the season. And Miami's coming off a bye week and that's a time to do little installs and add to what you're doing schematically, tweak things to different personnel groupings, clean up any missed assignments that were occurring commonly during that first month. Um, You know, even coaches making tough personnel decisions like, tightening up the rotations where things need to be tightened up. Because again, this is conference play and the margins are slimmer in conference play. So good teams are talented and will play up to their talent. To me, great teams are self-aware, know their strengths and weaknesses, know how to handle their strengths and weaknesses during the course of the season. I've talked a lot about this idea of navigating a season and how Miami has generally been poor at that over the past 15 years or so. And so I want to see a team that has some maturity about it and handles things, you know, with a pro mentality type of way. That doesn't mean that like adversity isn't going to strike in some games. And look, that doesn't even mean adversity won't strike against Georgia tech. Um, That, you know, very few of these remaining games are going to be smooth, easy wins to expect that is, you know, setting yourself up to be angry. Um, that's just not going to happen, but I do think Miami needs to look prepared and in those games where things just aren't clicking, 
it then just becomes about how do you respond to that adversity? Like we saw that in the Texas A&M game. Things weren't clicking early. Miami responded though, got on track, put them away. So how do you scratch and claw and earn the results? So uh, again, I'm kind of just saying the same things over and over again. Um, but I just want to see a mature team. You know, we talk about this idea of Miami becoming a real football program, a football program that is serious about football. And this is kind of the first step of doing that conference play handle Georgia tech, the way you should handle them. Uh, that's another thing I want to see. The last thing I'll say is, and this is more like a, an in the weeds key to the game type of thing. Uh, I do think it's going to be, I do think a big key in this game is which team does a better job of handling you know, both offense and defense for each team, the quick passing game. You watch, you know, I went and looked, Gabby, there's three teams in the ACC that stand out above the rest in yards after catch per game. It's Louisville, it's Georgia Tech, and it's Miami. And Louisville and Georgia Tech, of course, have already played each other. And one of the big storylines in that game was yards after catch particularly in the second half for Louisville. And I feel like Louisville has some similar-ish offensive identities to Miami. Um, they did a good job in the second half of getting the ball out quick to their receivers and their receivers making Georgia Tech's defensive backs miss tackles in space in their passing game. I went and looked at the stats in that game. Georgia Tech's secondary had 10 missed tackles on passing plays, which is an insanely high amount for a game. Miami's secondary for the season has 10 missed tackles on the season um, on passing plays. So that was a big key to the game. We've talked about how Georgia Tech struggles to tackle. That's not just in the run game. That's also in the passing game. And so we all know Miami's, uh, philosophy now in the passing game, it, you know, it's a it's a nice mix of quick game and deep game, and I think in the quick game there's going to be some big opportunities for Colby Young, Jacoby George, Xavier Restrepo to make that first man miss, and then explode for big gains. I think we also see Georgia Tech do that with their offensive identity too. And again, we talked about how they have some dangerous yak receivers uh, in Malik Rutherford. Jamal Haynes, Christian Leary, Eric Singleton, Chase Lane, et cetera. Now Miami has done a good job of tackling in space in the secondary. So if that continues, I would expect Miami to have a significant advantage in that phase of the game. So that's one of the keys I'm looking for in terms of a game key. Um, how about a matchup you like most from a Miami standpoint, Gabby? Yeah, to me, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, outside of just like the obvious of just like, I think Miami's has a significant advantage, like offensive line, just kind of opening up lanes in the run game, especially in that defensive line. I also think uh, the defensive line uh, over um, the Georgia Tech offensive line. Uh, I think that's an area where I think Miami has to be uh, better. And I think they are. And uh, I I'm optimistic that we're going to see like a, a, a solid, like Ruben Bain game. I don't know. I just feel it in my soul, uh, that we're going to have a nice little Ruben Bain game here, um, against Georgia tech. So, I mean, I, I like, I like what Miami's going to do up front there, uh, defensively. 
Um, but really, I mean, if I'm talking about just like, I just try, tried to stay away from just what I thought was just like the clear one, which is the running game one. But I really think the offensive line uh, is has a significant advantage over that uh, Georgia Tech defensive line as well. Yeah, I think just in general, Gabby, like you look at all the stats going in this game, just in terms of just like pure matchups, Miami's offense against Georgia Tech's defense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Miami's offense has a significant advantage sure. over the entire Georgia Tech defense, whether it's passing the ball, whether it's running the ball, like, you know, the the narrative and look, it's true. Like the run defense of Georgia Tech is worse than the pass defense. The run defense is one of the worst. It's probably the worst in power five. It's one of the worst in the country, but their pass defense is like, like if their run defense is like in the one twenties, their pass defense is probably in the hundreds to one tenths. So it's not like it's, it's a good group either. Um, and so, and, and you look at the stats, some of these advanced stats have Miami as a top 10 offense in the country right now. So Miami matches up very well against uh, Georgia Tech. We we kind of said that too, I think, in some phases going into the Temple game, it played out that way. Um, I think Miami's offense as a whole has a significant advantage over Georgia Tech's yeah. defense as a whole. So, and we'll get into this. I'll get into this later. But like, even if Georgia Tech does muster up some resistance in the run game, I still think Miami's going to be able to take what it wants in the passing game. Sure. So, I think they'll have plenty of answers for Georgia Tech's defense. How about a, a matchup to keep an eye on from a Miami standpoint? That's like uh, Georgia Tech can maybe give Miami some issues in this regard. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I, I think it's Francis Malagoa against Kyle Kennard or Kevin Harris. Uh, Kyle Kennard will play. He'll play both end spots, but, I mean, I think he's averaging, like, some – I think he had one game that was, like, an outlier. He played, like, three. But I think for the most part, he's he'll play, like, 15 snaps uh, over, uh, on the right side, like, over the right tackle. And so I would just want to see how Francis Malagoa kind of handles that because, I again, I personally think Kyle Kennard's a good player. If not, he he'll, get, he'll get a dose of, of Kevin Harris. And, uh, again, I think both those guys uh, can be potentially along the more problematic players on that Georgia Tech defense. Uh, so Agreed. I'm just kind of curious how the how a freshman how the freshman kind of handles um, really both of those guys. Uh, so I, I think it'll be I think that's a fun I think that's a fun like little matchup to watch. And I think it's honestly a good test for Francis Malagoa as we kind of start mm-hmm. ACC play uh, for him to kind of get a couple quality, uh, you know, really honestly, I mean, really good looks uh, from both those guys in, in this game. So that's probably one that I'm going to keep my eye on for sure. For me, you know, I do think. I think it's fair to say Georgia Tech's passing game to this point is like a top 25-ish passing game in the country. And so in that regard, I do think they they will be able to do some things that, you know, I think they're going to be able to move the ball at times against Miami's defense, uh, passing the ball. And again, I, I think you could make the argument this is the fastest receiver group Miami has seen to this point. Again, that doesn't mean they're the best receiver group Miami's seen to this point, but they do have some juice to them. And if if on any given play, Georgia Tech can block it up up front, I could see them having some success moving the ball through the air on those plays. So um, I do think there will be times where Georgia Tech generates some explosives through the air. The key will be not allowing those explosives to go for touchdowns 
and you know making them work for their points, letting that one explosive play happen on a given drive. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. So yeah, how about a player that needs to step up in your mind this week? Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I think it's Nigel e. Kelly and, you know, obviously expecting That's who I'm to... going with. Nice. Yeah. God, yeah. No, we're just like, we're just, we're just, I think we just became best friends. Uh, uh, no, I mean, I think Nigel e. Kelly is, I, I think he's someone that we need to kind of, I think we just need kind of just want to see him kind of just take that, that next step. And uh, again, I think getting to Kane's King is going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to be really important. So, uh, you know, just Nigel e. is obviously extremely talented uh, you know, I just kind of want to see him just be impact, be really impactful in this game. Cause I think if he is, obviously that would help this Miami defense kind of do all the things that I think they'll be able, well, they, I'm sure that they want to do in uh you know, kind of limiting that, uh, that Georgia tech, uh, passing attack. So Nigel e. Kelly, I do think is someone that needs to kind of take a step. Yeah. And he is, I think it's fair to say he is Miami's most talented speed rusher. Yeah. Hasn't played out that way. And and look, a lot of the reason why it hasn't played out that way to this point is he has been hampered by a, a leg deal, a lower leg injury yeah. that, that he sustained against Texas A&M. So uh, he needs to get going. Hopefully he's, he's close to being fully healthy and can, can get it going. And, and really uh, Miami's kind of been without three important defensive linemen um, in terms of pass rushing to this point. And Kelly, Akeem Mesador, and Branson Dean, they need those guys back sooner rather than later uh, for ACC play because I don't think they can. I don't think they can sustain not having those guys back during the course of the entire ACC run. So we haven't seen the best of Nigel Lee Kelly to this point this season. That needs to start changing. Uh, I think Jafari Harvey's doing his doing his part to this point, and Nigel Lee Kelly needs to get up to that level at least 
And then mine, you will have a nice little one-two punch in that speed rush department. How about potential player of the game? Who you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I same guy I picked last game against Temple. I'm going with Henry Parrish again just because I think uh, it's going to be – I think Miami's going to be able to run the ball really well. And, again, I, I think that they're going to – I think – I think Henry Parrish has a chance to again stack another like you know another really good performance after kind of finally that breakthrough against Temple. So I'm still looking at Henry Parrish and again just considering, I mean it's been the worst, uh, was it worst Power Five rushing defense? Is is that right? Or maybe one of them or near the bottom? Um, They're ranked like 128. So yeah, like if there is a worse one than them, I don't know. Just, but. Yeah. It's it's really bad. So uh, you know, again, I I just think Miami again. I think they want to run the ball. Uh, that offensive line, I think, is going to carve out some really pretty running lanes. And uh, I just see Henry Parrish having another big day for them. So I'm going to go on the flip side. I'm going to go with Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's going to have a big game. This is just my read on it, Gabby. Like I think Georgia Tech is going to be so focused on stopping the run, stopping the run, stopping the run. You know, that's a narrative that. They need to, and it's not just a narrative, it's true. Like, they need to address it. And, you know, the new DC, you know, he's going to want to make his mark with stopping the run. Look, we, you know, I'm the DC now, and we're, we're now stopping the run at a much higher level. So I think that's just going to be a significant point of emphasis for Georgia Tech. And I think that's going to open up some passing looks for Tyler Van Dyke and Miami. Um, and I still, look, I still think, of course, running the ball is important to Miami. It's what they want to do. They want to be balanced. And I expect them to have success running the ball. I do. But I do think Texas A&M, Georgia Tech is going to settle out in a lot of ways to stop the run, providing easier looks in the passing game. And I kind of think Tyler Van Dyke might eat this game. I also think, too, like we've seen Tyler the last couple of games – Show some wheels, um, you know, keeping the ball and uh, gashing defenses that don't expect that. I went and looked against Georgia Tech, the power five quarterbacks they faced to this point. I've had pretty good running days. So Jackson Dart, of course. I was like Jackson Dart had a day. And he runs. So, you know, this is kind of who he is. It's his identity. But he ran for 136 and two touchdowns. Jack Plummer who's not as athletic as Tyler, he ran for 51 yards in that Louisville game, and Mitch Griffiths ran for 43 yards. So quarterbacks have had a little success just kind of hitting them for some rushing yards on, on key moments. And, you know, kind of like we saw Tyler have that one temple run, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him have one of those type of runs against Georgia Tech too. Sportsline projection over unders. They have Tyler Van Dyke at 304 passing yards. Would you go with the over or under on that number? Uh, Jeremiah Smith is in the stands. I'm going over. Same. <laughs> Haynes King, 225 passing yards, over or under? I'm also going to go over there. I, I think he's too. averaging like three, like close to 340. 296. Yeah, 296, I think. Oh, okay. No. All right. Well, I don't know where I got that number from then. Uh, yeah, no, I'll still go over. I mean, he's 300 yards total, but I think it's 296 passes. Maybe that's what I was looking at. Maybe I, maybe I saw his total yard. Maybe I, I didn't realize I was looking at his total yardage per game. But yeah, I could see like 250 plus from Haynes yeah, King passing. Sure. And the one I just made up, 
Miami 200 rushing yards in this game. So Georgia Tech's allowing, I think, like 226-ish, 220-something rushing yards per game. So I set 200 yards as the over-under. Where would you go with that? Uh, I might honestly take the over as well. Like, I think that that's Big obviously day. a lot. Big offensive day, bro. going to put on so a I'm, clinic. I'm going to go under on that one, but yeah. I think still a good day. I still think like 170 to 180-ish yeah. range. Um, yeah. Betting lines. So Miami, last I looked on Caesar Sportsbook, was a 21-point favorite against Georgia Tech, and the over-under is 57 and a half. Gabby. How do you like those bets? Yeah, uh, I, I I came up with my score prediction before I saw this, like the real spread. Um, so I guess I'm pushing because I literally had Miami as a 21. Like I gave Miami a 21 point win. Um, I guess if I had to pick one or the other, I'd probably go over. Um, but that's all, that's a really big line. And I don't I think uh, I, honestly, I think that the, the line's a little bit of, of an overreaction to Bowling Green last week, too. But I still think that this is a game that Miami should have won very comfortably. Um, so I'm going to go with a – I'm just going to, I guess, push a 21, but I'd maybe just lean slightly over. So I would say I don't think Miami could cover 21. It's a lot. It's a big one. And I'm barely over. So – my score prediction this week is 38-20. Uh, so that's 18 points. And again, you know, I do think Miami is a bad matchup for Georgia Tech. They're a balanced offense that is just way too good for where that Georgia Tech defense is right now. Um, from a Miami defense perspective, Gabby, I do like, again, I, I like the way this schedule is laid out to this point. And if we're looking ahead, I like how this, from, from a Miami defense perspective, this is a nice little, in, in some ways, a nice little prep game for North Carolina. Yeah, you get, for a, sure. get a mobile quarterback with a, a strongish arm and a bevy of nice, fast receivers that the defense has to handle. Uh, and Miami's going to have to deal with Tez Walker next week because he just was named eligible. He was just decided that he was eligible now. So definitely Ooh. a good test. Interesting. Very interesting. So, um, yeah, I think... Comfortable win overall, 38 to 20. Uh, I thought about going 41 to 20, but I'm going to go 38 20. I went 38 17. So okay. we're, I think we're, I think we're in the same offensive range, uh, minus, I mean, really in the same score range, minus a field goal. And uh, I guess that, so I, I went, I guess I took, I went under 57 and a half points, which I feel like is a lot. And, uh, and I agree that, like, you know, I think Miami, I think Miami's going to end up being, you know, a lot for for Georgia Tech. I'm hopeful again. I, I do think that the first half is going to be potentially interesting, uh, but I think just I just think overall yeah, over the course long of four games. quarters, yeah, they're like over the four quarters, like especially in that second half, I think Miami's just going to end up pulling away at some point. Uh, maybe it's by three full touchdowns, but I still think like the margin will be pretty comfortable um, in Miami's way. I feel like it was even. Going into again, I just kind of go back to the Ole Miss game because I feel like that's just like a fair, like competitive game for them. You know, SEC school. Yeah, like, that was it a close was, game. It was it, like the, the the score did not really indicate how close that game was because that game was close for three full quarters, and then Ole Miss just kind of hit the gas in the fourth and just kind of really pulled mm -hmm. away. And I think Miami has that potential. Where yeah, maybe Georgia Tech will stick around for a little bit, 
Um, but I do think, you know, second half Miami will kind of take over the game and ultimately just kind of do what they need to do. So, um, yeah, I still think three touchdowns is a lot um, in really any sort of like power five conference game period. Um, but I do think, again, how real is Miami? I think Miami should win this game comfortably. I think this is just one of those games where you have to kind of go out, take care of business. And I think handling business against a not bad Georgia Tech offense, but just overall, like maybe like average to below average just team because of that defense is really bad um I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that miami will kind of do what they need to do and uh you know take and win comfortably all right so miami georgia tech eight o'clock acc network again go out to the game if you can make it out there this team deserves your support we will have everything covered leading up to the game and after the game on inside the u.com appreciate all our sponsors appreciate all our listeners And until next time, take care.